0: Good morning, everyone. (laughs) A couple of weeks ago, could have been two months ago, um, when I was standing here and doing another talk, I asked the question, and believe you me, this is connected to the focus I'd like to bring on this Good Friday. But I asked the question, and I'm not asking it now, I'm just telling you, I asked the question that time, how many people had ever heard of or seen a Volkswagen, Volkswagen motorcycle, motorbike? And I think some people must have thought, there's nothing like that. But on that show, which I love, American American pickers, these guys go around to sheds and they dig all over um, old garages and barns, and they produced, or rather the owner produced, a Volkswagen motorbike. I was quite astounded. astounded. Now, in a strange way, there's a similar question, but the focus is all on Jesus, and the question that I'd like to ask, and I ask myself also, is, have I ever attempted to walk with Jesus in his last days before he was crucified? Have I ever attempted to slow down and walk with Jesus up to the time of his court trial? And uh, being someone, and I'm sure there are others here, who've uh, been at lots and lots of Good Friday services and the night before services, I can honestly answer and all, almost with shame say, I have never slowed down to walk with Jesus. So I want to try that now, and I hope you'll find it helpful as we join Jesus and his friends uh, in a little more real time and in terms of the readings. Imagine you are one of his friends. Uh, We are silent friends. We're going to join them at the end of Jesus' prayer on the Mount of Olives and in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this, of course, is long before He goes to trial. And what we see at first is a very distressed man in prayer. Jesus is coming to the end of the prayers that he says in the garden. And in fact, um, all these things must have been going through his head, what's about to come, although I don't think he could predict what was about to happen in detail, in his own mind. And so he is seen in earnest prayer, and it says that he prayed with such intensity that the perspiration, the sweat that fell on the ground, was like great drops of blood. I've never seen anything like that. The closest I've come to ever seeing something like that was TV footage of Archbishop Desmond Tutu in Cape Town Cathedral kneeling in prayer. And they showed tears running down his cheeks as he was praying. So Jesus prays in this way and then he comes back to his friends. And what happens next I see as part of his trial, but not the trial proper, because something rather upsetting happens. It seems that some people have already decided that Jesus is the guilty one. And uh, Judas, not the least, uh, he approaches them and he points out who Jesus is. And I thought, that's a bit strange because by now everyone knew who he was. And yet Judas comes and points out who he is. One of his closest friends betrays him. Now that seems like nothing to us. But there is this little fight going on. They're shouting and they're threatening and a sword is produced and the slave's ear is cut off. So there's blood and all that sort of thing. And then, of course, that appears to calm down and uh, they grab Jesus and they take him away. And most times in church, we read that round about Good Friday and we pass on. But let's just reverse a little bit and just think of the sight that confronted the disciples. And it reminded me of something I heard some years ago when I was at the Sunnybank Church. Uh, As one particular lady came through the door after the service, and I don't know what we were talking about, someone said, she doesn't go into banks. She hasn't been in a bank for something like 20 years, and probably now it's 30 years. And uh, I couldn't understand what they were talking about, and I start giggling, because this is one of those people who always has a smile on her face. I thought they were making a joke. And they then explained, and she explained to me again afterwards, that some time ago, she was in Westpac Bank, Bank, opposite the Sunnybank Hotel, this is quite a few years ago, as a customer, and she witnessed... An armed, armed bank robbery taking place right there. And this traumatized her so that she never, ever went back into any bank again. Now, I'm sure some of the disciples who have observed the arrest of Jesus must have been traumatized and upset. And I wonder... How Jesus felt about this. I wonder what was going on uh, in terms of his own mind and his own emotions and his own feelings. Next, of course, he is arrested and is taken away to the high priest's home. We read, or rather, if we're going to be part of the crowd, we see then what the high priest's guards. Due to Jesus, they bash him, they blind blindfold him, and they keep on bashing him. They insult him really bad, badly. Now it seems to me that Jesus barely had any sleep that night, and then we read, and the next morning early, he was taken again to appear before the Jewish council, the Jewish Sanhedrin made up of, not a good thing to hear this time, of women's rights coming to the fore. This council was made up of 70 men. And this one man, Jesus, appears before this 70. Let's stop in our walk once again. Wonder how Jesus felt at this point. He hadn't had any sleep. He was bashed around quite a bit. He must have been getting physically and emotionally drained. And now he faces this council. Last night we heard something additional here in church. Uh, I heard it said that just before this, Jesus was giving and sharing himself with his disciples. Then followed that agonizing emotional time in prayer. Then followed a violent arrest. Then followed him being dragged away to the high priest's house, uh, being bashed about by the guards. Then followed this appearance before 70 of the Jewish leaders. They grilled Jesus with more questions and accusations. And then they find something. Of a charge that will stick. And we've already heard the reading. It was almost like a kangaroo court. They questioned Jesus in such a way that they might find something. And at last they think they found something. And they say he claimed to be the son of God. He claims to be the son of God. And that is an offense in terms of their religion. It's blasphemy. And this is that sort of typical kangaroo court. Easy the son of God? Again, that question might be irrelevant to some, but some years ago in the parish of Woi, down south in New South Wales, I was doing what I call a baptism information evening. And what I would normally do at the end of one of the evenings, I think the second one, I take the young couple and the godparents through parts of the service. And uh, we got to that part of the service when uh, the priest asked the question, do you, and he's asking this of the godparents and parents, do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord? And the young godfather said to me, I can't answer that question. I can't say yes to that. And I said, well, this is part of the baptism service. If you're going to be the Godfather, then you have to respond to that question. He said, no, I can't. I'm not sure what else I said to him, but I said, okay, I'll call you back in three days' time. You are going to think about it. I don't know if I gave him some material to read or some pointers, but I said, I'll call you again in about three days' time just to find out if you still want to be a godparent. And three days later, three nights later, I called him and he said, no, I can't say those words. Jesus might be the biggest con man of all time. And as a good Anglican priest, I was mildly shocked at the time. No one had ever said that. But I thought he was rather honest. I can't say those words. I don't believe Jesus is the son of God. I know, as an addition, on the Alpha course, there is uh, one particular session that focuses on that. And the heading is, Who is Jesus? Back to our focus, back to the Jewish council, where they find this charge, or they make up this charge, uh, in terms of Jesus' guilt. Because he claims he is the Son of God. But an interesting thing happens next, because when they take him to Pilate, they say something else. They don't say that this man claimed to be the son of God. Why? Because Pilate, Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, uh, in his own attitude, did not believe in all this Jewish religious superstition. So that's how he'll view it. So they find another charge. They take Jesus to Pontius Pilate and they make this false accusation that he's trying to start a rebellion, a revolution, and he's encouraging people not to pay taxes. And that's not what Jesus was claiming at all or saying at all. So this uh, appearance before Pilate is the trial proper. And I'll just read again a little bit of what happens now. This is Luke chapter 23 and verses 3 to 7. Luke 3, 23, 3 to 7. So Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man, because Pilate isn't interested in their nonsense. But they insisted he stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. Once again, as the questioning goes on, Pilate discovers that Jesus is really from the area of Herod. So once again, he's sent off to someone else, to Herod. By this time, I think most grown men would probably have lost the plot. Maybe emotionally collapsed or physically, mentally exhausted. Off to Herod he goes. And Herod is eager to see Jesus. He thinks of Jesus as the village idiot, some fool. Maybe he could perform a miracle, but he is no one important. And in Herod's presence, Jesus is also again bashed about, and they make him look like an idiot and a fool, and so on. But something unusual comes from this, because the Bible then says that that day... Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. And dare I say, on the Alpha course, I heard this some years ago when I did the course, it was said that sometimes, even in the worst of circumstances, sometimes when one thinks God, one thinks God isn't present, God is there. And because of the presence of Jesus, Herod and Pilate. Became friends. There was this little walk with Jesus. Don't know how you find it. I hope you find it helpful just before he gets hanged on a cross. And it wasn't the cross at that time, it was just a common cross. Every criminal was hanged on it if they were sentenced to that. Wonder how some of that makes you feel. What do you think? Who is this Jesus? Now, I must say that uh, I noted when Kim read read the first reading, she said, I feel, I couldn't quite hear, I feel rather awkward or nervous. And I felt the same when I started, because uh, throughout the week I've been going through this, working through this, and I could pick up some of the emotion some of what Jesus might have felt, some of what his, the disciples might have felt, what they faced. But who is Jesus to you? Luke doesn't say it, but Mark says this in the gospel that he writes. Mark chapter 15, verse 39. When the Roman officer who stood facing Jesus saw we had died, he exclaimed, this man truly was the Son of God.